Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast. shipwrecked. It's a three-week series talking about what do you do when life tries to wreck you? What do you do when life tries to wreck your faith? And um, next week, we're going to be talking about what do you do when all of a sudden you're battling storms? How do you not get shipwrecked through the storms of life? How do you not... I'm totally giving away part of what I'm going to say next week. How do you not let what's happening around you not get inside of you, right? Because what sinks boats? It's not the water on the outside. It's when it gets on the inside. And we're going to be talking about that, and I'm ready. But today, I want to talk to you about this. I want to talk to you about frozen driveways and human error. Frozen driveways and human error. And we have, yeah, this will all make sense in a little bit. Um, there's tons of shipwrecks. Last week we talked about that there's like over 3 million shipwrecks across the world that are sitting on the bottom of the ocean. Um, but the most memorable shipwreck in my lifetime happened about 10 years ago to a ship called the Costa Concordia. Some of you remember this ship. It looked like this. Um, beautiful, luxurious ship. However, according to the news, it says this. Many famous naval disasters happened far out at sea, but on January 13, 2012, the Costa Concordia wrecked just off an Italian island in relatively shallow water looking like this. If you can go to the next picture. You guys remember this. Hopefully you remember this. The avoidable disaster killed 32 people and seriously men, uh, injured many others and left investigators wondering why was a luxurious cruise ship sailing so close to the shore in the first place? If you can go to the next picture, this is how close it is to the shoreline. Makes no sense, right? And, and, and the reason is the married ship captain had sailed so close to the island to impress a much younger Italian woman with whom he was having an affair. Yeah. Says this, the wreck was not the fault of unexpected weather or ship malfunction, it was a disaster caused entirely by a series of human errors. The Concordia was supposed to take passengers on a seven-day Italian cruise, but when it deviated from its planned path to sail closer to the island, to go somewhere where it wasn't supposed to go, the ship struck a reef known as Skull Rocks. The impact damaged the ship, allowing water to seep in and putting the 4,229 people on board in danger. How, how do you do this, right? Like I'm sitting there going, I think I could have steered that ship and not had that happen, right? And I'm not like a captain. I'm not expert on boats at all, but I know not to go close enough to the land like that, right? What happened? The captain went where he knew he shouldn't have. The captain deviated from the, the pre-planned course, and he deviated in a place that was all based on human error. And here's the deal. It didn't just affect the captain. It affected all 4,229 people that were on board. And today, the goal of this message is this. 
is that you wouldn't wreck your own life by your own human error. There's one thing I have seen in almost 30 years of ministry. It's this, I see so many people become their own worst enemies. I see so many people sabotage what God's wanting to do. And it's not your parents' fault, and it's not your sixth grade teacher's fault, and it's not your algebra teacher or your coach because he yelled at you and called you Skeletor, and they called you Daddy Longlegs when you're in elementary school. It's not any of that. It is because you made choices that brought disaster and wrecked your faith and wrecked your life in the process. So how do we not do that? I think one way is this, is that we have to make sure we have the right strategy for our life. Because some of us, we have the wrong strategy. Some of us, we are living life with a strategy that if we keep continuing to live life based on this strategy, it is going to wreck our life. And the strategy is this, I think I can make it, is a horrible strategy for life. I think I can make it as a horrible strategy for life. All of you that have turned 40, you should not live your life thinking you can make it physically. I think I can make that jump. No, you can't. You can't make it. Your body still thinks you're 20. Your mind thinks it's 20, but your body's 40, and there is a big Big difference, take it from someone who knows. My body thinks I can, I'm capable of things that I'm five seconds behind, right? My vertical is not near what it used to be. It's, I don't attempt to dunk anymore because if I do, when I land, first off, I'm gonna get stuffed by the rim, I'm gonna get embarrassed, and when I land, my knee's probably gonna go like totally dislocate or I'm gonna throw a hip, right? Like I just, I don't think I can make it anymore. But here's the deal. Some of us, we are living our life with the strategy, I think I can make it. This captain of, of the coast of Concordia, oh, I, I, I can make this, right? I'm going to impress at this girl, this, this woman I'm having an affair with. I think I can make it. It's probably dicey. I probably shouldn't. But I think I can make it. And how many mistakes and how many regrets were lived with that same strategy, I think I can get away with it. I think I can make it. Nobody's found out yet. I've gotten away with it this far. I think I can make it. Acts chapter 27, verse 13 through 15 says this. When a light wind began blowing from the south, the sailors thought they could make it. So they pulled up anchor and sailed close to the shore of Crete. But the weather changed abruptly, and a wind of typhoon strength called a northeaster burst across the island and blew us out to sea. The sailors couldn't turn the ship into the wind, so they gave up and let it run before the gale. The, the sailors thought, right, I think we can make it. But what happened? The storm came up abruptly, winds came in, and it took them to a place they didn't want to be. And so many times when we think we can make it, when we think we can handle it, whether it's financially, if your financial strategy is I think we can make it, you can't make it. If you make $25,000, there's nothing wrong with making $25,000, but here's what you can't make. You can't make a Mercedes payment on a $25,000 salary with a yacht and a house. That's not, I think I can make it. We'll just refi this thing several times. You know, I'm just going to keep calling Brandon Hayes. You know, the interest rates are low enough. They're not low enough. They're never going to be low enough for you to make it. 
But some of us, that's all, I think we can make this work. That's a horrible strategy. Some of us, we think we can make it with temptation. Right? And we think we can handle it. And can I tell you, that's a horrible way and a horrible strategy in how to handle temptations. I think I can handle it. I think I'm not as weak as them. No, you're not as wise as them. You're not called to handle it or to, to just barely make it by. That's a horrible strategy to live life with. All of you married people, I think our marriage can make it. It's going to push our marriage to the brink, but I think, no, 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 no. That's a horrible way to live out your marriage. Not seeing how, how much punishment your spouse can take, but how much can you protect him? And, and what has happened is that there are a lot of us, the reason we live with this strategy is we have that big of an ego. And we wouldn't say that, that we have that big of an ego, but we do. Because we think we can handle what others can't. We think we are capable of handling things that others can't. And you know, it leads us to a place where our life is wrecked. And our life, just like this storm that blew these sailors out, ends up in a place and in a direction we never wanted to be. All because we had an ego thinking we could handle it. This happened to me not too long ago. Um, how many of you guys remember the ice storm that came past this past year and it like iced all the streets? You know what I'm talking about? I think it's the only Sunday we've actually canceled service because of weather. Um, it's just ice. And Casey was trying to pull her SUV into our garage and our driveway goes down and there's a pond to the right. Like it all flows to the pond and it's really close um, to our house. And she's like, I can't get it down. And I'm like, you foolish little lady, watch your husband. So um, I got something for you today. Check out this video. I tried several times, man. Yeah. This is the uh, off. Uh, I, this uh, is the uh, 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 We did them. That just happened, right? You are looking at the greatest driver in Jinx, Oklahoma. Just gonna let you know, fight me, fight me. Show me your video proof that you're better than that. Here's the deal. Everybody I showed that to, 
Um, you, could, you could feel the tension like, he's going to hit, he's going to hit. He, they're like, he's going to slide in the pond, he's going to slide in the pond. And I showed my buddies this, and they're like, you are so stupid. <laughs> Don't ever do that again, right? And, and here's the deal. When I look at it, I think, look what I was able to handle. When everybody else looks at it, like, why would you even attempt that? And people think the same thing with the way your strategy is for living life. Some of us, we think, I can handle it, and you're being foolish because that's what ego makes you. It turns you into a fool. Thinking that you are capable of handling more than you were ever called to handle. And here's what I have noticed about you and me is that we overestimate what we can handle and what we should do, and we underestimate what God can handle and what he will do. And when we come to that place and when we come to that point, it is like driving on a frozen, iced-over driveway. You are putting yourself in unnecessarily harmful situations that you were never called to handle because God has a better way for you of living. And we've done this our whole life. We've done this for generations, for thousands of years. I was reading over um, in Genesis the story of Abraham and Lot, his nephew Lot, and they're good friends, and Abraham, Abram at that time, his, his, his uh, nephew Lot is living with them, and they're going to the promised land, and they're going where God has directed them, and they're both rich, so this is rich people problem, right? Like third world problem I'm getting ready to tell you about. Abraham's herdsman and all the sheep and all the animals they've got, He's got too many and Lot's got too many and there's not enough ground because the herd's so big. So the herdsmen start fighting and there's conflict within their households and with one another. And so this conflict arises and Abraham's like, hey, 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 hey. everybody calm down. Everybody stop, right? Like check yourself before you wreck yourself moment. Like calm yourself. And, and they have this calming moment and Abraham looks at his nephew Lot and he says, hey, Let's, here's the whole land. There's plenty of land for us. You pick the way you want to go. Pick, pick where you want to go. This wasn't the end of the relationship. He's just like, hey, you hang out there. I'll hang out there. And everybody will get along. And it says this in Genesis chapter 13, verse 10 through 13. Lot took a long look at the fertile plains of the Jordan Valley in the direction of Zor. And the whole area was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord or the beautiful land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley to the east of them. He went there with his flocks and servants and parted company with his uncle Abram. So Abram settled in the land of Canaan, and Lot moved his tents to a place near Sodom and settled there among the cities of the plain. But the people of this area were extremely wicked and constantly sinned against the Lord. Let me give you one sure way how to shipwreck proof your life, to keep it from human error. And it's this, make sure you aren't parting with the right people. We talk about avoiding the wrong people, but some of you, just like Lot, can I tell you, Lot's, the beginning of his demise was him parting companies 
with his uncle Abraham, who had a heart after God, who was going after the things of God, and he decided to go over here. In his move, he just severed the relationship that he had with Abraham. The only time he talked for help from Abraham was when he needed Abraham. Some of you, you have people in your life like that. Don't nod right now because you're sitting right next to them. They're your kids. Um, but Abraham was a great influence on Lot. Even though they moved separate ways, didn't mean that they were severing the relationship. And the first downfall for Lot was this. He removed the right person out of his life and he moved closer to the wrong people that were the wrong influence in their life. And let me tell you this, people always, always, always have a positive or negative effect. People always have a positive or negative effect. And some people, man, when we have the right people in our lives, they're going to send us in the right direction. But when we get the wrong people in our lives, they're going to send us in the wrong direction. So the question is, why do we part with the right people? Why do we have this blow up? Why did Abraham and Lot go their separate ways? Why did Lot decide not to just keep a relationship with the right people? Number one, it's this. Many times we get our feelings hurt or we feel guilty when we are around them. We get our feelings hurt or we feel guilty when we are around them. I meet with some friends on a pretty regular basis, whether it's a phone call, whether it's breakfast, whether it's coffee. And my friends know, hey, if, if I've asked them, if you see me going and veering off in a direction, then I have to be a massive, you know, compromise. But you see me veering, call me on it. Call me on it. Let me know. And can I tell you, they call me on it. They let me know. They're like, Justin, it's not the smartest way to live your life, bro. That, that is not a wise decision right now. Stop being dumb. Stop being stupid. You're not being a good dad right now. You're not being a good husband. Man, you need to take better care of yourself. You need to slow down. You need, and can I tell you, every time they say it, there's a part of my feelings that get hurt. Right? And that's not very manly to say. We're like, nobody can hurt my feelings. Your feelings just got hurt. Shut up, right? Like our feelings get hurt. When somebody brings correction, the first response is to get defensive instead of receptive. But if you're going to live your life and not shipwreck your life by your own choosing and your own human errors, you've got to surround yourself with people who care more about your character than your feelings. They care more about you than hurting your feelings. And you've got to learn to listen to them. Because when our feelings get hurt, we stop listening to them. And when we stop listening to them, we stop being around them. Because all of a sudden, we feel guilty when we're, oh, I just feel bad when I'm around them. I, I just feel guilty when I am around them. And if you feel guilty when you're hanging around the right people, this should be a massive red flag in your life. It's not that they're being judgmental. It's not that it's something wrong with all of them. There's probably something wrong with all of this. And we want to deflect and say it's all them. No, 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 no. God loves you enough to put the right people in your past, so don't you part from them. Because when we part from, when our feelings get hurt and we start feeling guilty around the right people, here's what happens. We stop listening to them. We stop hanging around them. 
We stop giving them input. And here's what the Bible says in Proverbs 19, 27. If you stop listening to instruction, my child, you will turn your back on knowledge, on understanding, on knowing what to do and how to do it because you are silencing the voices and the right voices God has put in your path. Proverbs 12, 15. A fool thinks he needs no advice, but a wise man listens to others. Let me talk to all of my people that are a little bit older that are here and watching online. If you think you have reached a stage in life that you don't need advice anymore, the Bible says this, that's a foolish way to live. A fool thinks he needs no advice. I had breakfast this past week with one of my friends. He's full step ahead of me in life. He's in his 50s. His kids are grown out of college, and they've got this whole empty nest, and I just try to bounce things off because if I can learn from other people's successes and failures, then hopefully I don't make their failures and I'll keep repeating their successes, right? And I remember him saying, he just said this this past, this past week. He goes, Justin, my biggest desire right now is that I won't fumble the ball this late in the game. And some of us here, you are in danger because you think you're exempt because you've re reached a certain stage, you've reached a certain age, you've reached a certain status where you no longer need to listen to advice. And the Bible would say this, you are dead wrong in living your life in a very foolish way. That you will end up drifting into a place that will wreck your life and wreck what you want most. Well, what's the benefit of having the right people present in my life? Proverbs 27, 6 says this. You can trust a friend who corrects you. Let me read that again. You can trust a friend who corrects you, but kisses from an enemy are nothing but lies. Real friends talk to you instead of about you. Real friends talk to you instead of about you. They bring correction to your character instead of corruption to your reputation. They bring correction to you, meaning they care enough about you to talk to you, and after they talk to you, if you have the courage to go talk to your friend, if I have the courage to go talk to Nate Gorman, I say, man, Nate, you're off here. You know what I'm not gonna go do? I'm not gonna go over to Adam or to Dustin and be like, bro, I totally lit Nate up, right? Like, I totally told him he was being stupid and dumb. Why? Because that's shaming him and bringing corruption to his reputation. That's not helping him. I've gotta have the self-discipline and the courage enough to talk uh, to them instead of about them because it's always easier to talk about people instead of to people because that's the, the coward's way but grow up and be courageous and be the friend your friend needs instead of the friend it's easy to be because there's no friendship when there's gossip and disloyalty because there's no trust and if there's no trust there's no friendship hear me if the Bible says you can trust a friend who brings correction to you, when your friend has enough courage to correct you and be like, bro, man, I feel like you're missing it here. I feel like you're getting off key. I feel like you're a little degrees off here. Grow up enough to listen. Grow up enough to realize, man, God has blessed me with someone in my life, a right person who wants to make sure that I am on the right half. Second thing is this, they make you better by being around them. Proverbs 13, 20, one of my favorite verses, wise friends make you wise. 
Walk, walk with the wise and become wise, right? That's how most of us heard it. Wise friends make you wise, but you hurt yourself by going around with fools. Other, other translations put stupid people. <laughs> you hurt yourself by going around with fools. The right friends make you better, but the wrong friends make you worse. If I become wise by walking with the wise, then I hurt myself by not. Right? It doesn't say that all the foolish people that I'm hanging out with, harm's going to come their way. It says this, you, but you hurt yourself. You only harm yourself by going around with fools. If the wrong people have the wrong effect, then the opposite's true. The right people have the right effect. And if God has blessed you with the right people to have the right effect and bring the right correction, don't you part ways with them because that is a horrible, horrible way to live your life. But if you want to bring a strategy in that will help shipwreck-proof your life, make sure you aren't parting ways with the right people that God has blessed you with that want the best for you. Because here's our huge crystal ball moment this morning. That if, you, if your life is doing this, here's what I can tell you as your pastor. Eventually, if you're doing A, eventually B is going to happen. And if this is where your life is, I hope this is like your wake-up moment. And here it is. When we, when we get close to what we shouldn't, it's not long until we move where we shouldn't. When we get close to what we shouldn't, when Lot moved his family in his dwelling place in his tent near Sodom, eventually what happened? He moved in Sodom. He moved into the city. It wasn't just about being close to it. It was about being in it. In Genesis chapter 14, verse 11 through 2, there's an invasion that happens. This invading army comes in and they ransack Sodom and Gomorrah. And check this out. The victorious invaders then plundered Sodom and Gomorrah and headed for home, taking with them all the spoils of war and food supplies. They also captured Lot, Abram's nephew, who lived in Sodom and carried off everything he owned. Who was responsible for, for Lot living in Sodom? It was Lot. It wasn't his friends, it wasn't his buddies, it wasn't his parents, it was Lot. And so many times I think we give Lot a reputation of being a bad guy. I don't think Lot was a bad guy. I think he was a normal guy that made really foolish decisions. I think he was a normal guy that did normal things, but God hasn't called you to be a normal person that operates and functions in a normal way. He has a better way for you and I to live. And when you start moving close to what you shouldn't be doing, to who you shouldn't be hanging out with, to habits that have started becoming your, 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 your habits for life, you start moving close to what you shouldn't, you eventually move in, just like Lot, to where you shouldn't be. And here's two things I will tell you. It just follows this. Is that compromising your character to reach short-term goals will lead to long-term regret. Compromising your character to reach short-term goals will always lead to long-term regret. Don't allow what is convenient and available now to cost you what you want most. All right? Sodom was close. Sodom was convenient. But what did Lot want the most? 
It wasn't for his wife to perish. I'm sure when Lot came to this place where he moved his tents near Sodom, he wasn't at this place where he said, you know what, reality is going to be in just a little bit. I'm going to move into Sodom, and these two angels are going to come, and I'm going to offer my two virgin daughters um, out to this, this mob that they can just rape my daughters and have their way with them. That's what happened. No, no way would this happen, but when you get close to what you shouldn't, it's not long until you move into where you shouldn't, and you start compromising your character for short-term payoffs. I'm sure it wasn't Lot's thought process that his wife was going to die as a, as a result of him choosing to move to a place he never should have been. That his relationship with his daughters was really, really dysfunctional. Go read your Bible. It's crazy. You're like, well, that's in the Bible. That's in the Bible, right? And that his life would be a, he'd miss it. He'd miss out on what he wanted most because he was willing to go after what was lush, and short-term availability. And if you are having to compromise your character, your financial character for the short-term payoff, it's not worth it. If you're having to, to compromise your boundaries for short-term payoff, hear me, it's not worth it. If you're having to compromise morally who you know God has called you to be, it's never worth compromising who to get what. It never ever is but there's a better way and if you will do it God's way he will lead you in becoming who before you ever get what but here's what happens here's what Lot did here's what we do we act and hope that it works out instead of praying and waiting and I will just tell you man acting and hoping is the exact opposite of praying and waiting we, we act, we do something, we're like, ooh, you know, I'm going to do this, God. Bless it, please bless it, please bless it, please bless I know I emptied my savings account to win the lottery, and I told you I'd tithe on it. Please bless it. No, 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 no. This isn't the wise way to conduct ourselves. That's like being the, the captain on the ship of the Costa Concordia. You're going to a place you know, you know this isn't the way you're supposed to live your life. God, help me get through this situation. No, no, no. He was back here saying, don't go that way. Right? And the better way for you and I to live isn't to act and hope that it works out, but it's to pray and wait, to pray and listen, to pray to the Lord and say, you know what, God? Here's what I want. Man, here's where I want to go. Here's what I want to do. But your kingdom come and your will be done. And you pray and you ask God what he wants you to do and you wait for the answer. What? I have to wait for him to answer? Yeah. And that you're okay with the answer even when it's not the answer you want. Because sometimes I can tell you the prayers that he hasn't answered are just as great as the prayers he has. And some of us, the very thing that he is doing by telling you no instead of yes, he is protecting your life and you won't realize it until three, four, five, ten years down the road because he wants what is best, not what is convenient. And I would tell you, learn to pray and ask and wait instead of act and hope because acting and hoping is a it's a bad way to try to live your life 
It's a way that you're going to shipwreck your life and live with a whole lot of regret. The second thing is this. It's the last thing I know. Your choices are leading you closer to promises or problems. Which is it? Your choices are leading you closer to promises or problems. Lot's choices led him to problems and compromise. Abraham's choices led him to promises and abundance. It wasn't Lot's intentions that led him to where he wanted. It wasn't Abraham's intentions that led him to the life that he lived. Man, good intentions never get you to the destination. Your life is the sum total of the choices that you and I make. That's it. And it's about are you making the wise, godly choices or are you just trying to live life with good intentions? Because living life with good intentions isn't good enough. It's not good enough. I'm sure the intention of this captain driving this ship wasn't, he didn't intend for it to run aground and to kill some people and to ruin this cruise ship and for the damage that all happened. But that is what happened because of the choice that he made. And hear me as your pastor, I am not trying to keep you from having this amazing, incredible life. It is quite the opposite. I want you to experience what Jesus said and the reason he came to this earth. In John 10, he said, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly or have a rich and satisfying life as another translation says. I want you to experience all that God has for you and if you're going to do that, you can't just live this way that always leads you to problems, but you've got to start making choices that follows God's path and his, his purpose for you your life that leads you to the promises that he has for you and it's going to look different than everybody else but if you want what nobody else has and want what God has for you you're going to have to make choices that other people aren't willing to make but it will lead you to a destination and a point that you will live life to the full and every aspect of your life will be lived to the full. How do you not become your own worst enemy? Man, how do you not shipwreck your life? You answer these three questions. What is the strategy I'm living my life with? What is this? Am I, I think I can make it. I think I can handle it. I'm tough enough. I'm smart enough. I've gotten this far. Nobody's known about it. What's the strategy you're living your life with? Do you have the right people around you? Or have you parted ways with them? Who's your crew? Here it's said all the time, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Adults, it's true for us as well. Third thing is this, where are your choices leading you to? Because I can promise you this, and I've got to stop. Your choices are leading you somewhere. So make sure you're not in control of you right? That you're not in control of you. Because if you're in control of you, you're going to follow your emotions and you're going to follow your feelings. And the Bible says, guard your heart above all else, your emotions above all else, because it determines the course of your life. The better way for you to live your life is to make sure you aren't in charge, but he is. And he is leading and he is guiding. And it's just not the Lord's prayer that you repeat, but you live your life, your kingdom come, your will be done. Let's pray. Lord, I love you. I thank you for today. And God, I pray that we would understand that you want great things for us. 
Lord, you want great things, not, not good things, not okay things. You want great things for us. And Lord, there's a lot of us that we're good people, but we're making bad choices. And we're expecting good things to come out of bad choices, but that's not how it works. Lord, you've given us a better way to live. And so, God, I pray that we would not be the captain of our own lives, but your word says that if we're going to follow after you, that we have to pick up our cross, deny ourselves, and follow after you. And when we follow after you, and when we follow your path, and when we stick to the destination that you have determined for our life, and we don't deviate it from it, it's a better way to live. But Lord, when we deviate from it, that's when damage happens. Man, that's when hurt creeps in, regret creeps in. All because we thought we could handle it, because we thought we knew better. But Lord, I pray that we would not live our life in a way that acts and hopes, but that we would pray and wait. We'd wait on your word. Speak to us so that we can make choices that's about following you instead of trying to direct you. And so, Lord, I pray today, man, that you would give us hearts to hear because, Lord, it's not enough to listen to this message today, but we've got to do it. It's not enough to be hearers of your word, but we've got to apply your word because information alone is not enough. Information plus application brings transformation to our life. It's not enough to have sunscreen around us to keep the sunburn from hitting. We got to apply the sunscreen to keep the burn from happening. And Lord, we can't just be around your word. We have to have the word in us and applying to our lives and our situations for it to bring a benefit to us. And so, Lord, Lord, let us be like the wise person that heard your word and put it into practice and that we are building a firm foundation for our life. Pray that you would move, that you would work, man, and that you would be the captain of our life. It's in Jesus' name I pray with heads bowed and eyes closed today if you're here. Maybe you're watching online and you say, Justin, I'm here. And I know where I'm at isn't where I need to be, and you need to make a mid-course correction. Can I tell you, all of us have been there. Maybe at home, and you know there's a correction you need to make in your relationship with Jesus Christ because where you're heading isn't where you're supposed to be heading, and where you're at isn't where you're supposed to be at. If you're here or you're watching at home online, I'm going to count to three, and all I want you to do is raise your hand. We're not going to have you stand up. We're not going to embarrass you. We're just going to lead you in a prayer because we believe God sees a hand and he changes a heart. One, two, Three, is there anyone here today? You say, Justin, that's me. Yeah, yeah. Is there anyone else? You join these two individuals that raised their hand today before we go any further in service today. You say, Justin, that's me today. There's a mid-course correction that needs to happen in my life, and I've been trying to lead my life, and it's gotten me in the wrong place. Is there anyone else that you would raise your hand to join these two individuals? There's one other. If, is there anyone else? You join these three individuals before we go any further in service. Yep, I got you. Is there anyone else? Man, you may be at home watching online. I would just encourage you. It may feel weird, but just raise your hand right where you are and let us know online that you raised your hand. Is there anyone else before we go any further? If you raise your hand, if you please repeat this prayer after me and mean it from your heart. Jesus, I come before you today and I confess that I've sinned, that I've messed up, 
And where I'm at isn't where I should be. But I ask for your forgiveness. I ask that your grace and your love would enter my life. Jesus, I turn away from the life that I was living. I repent of it. And I turn to you. And I confess you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions or in need of prayer or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at Nicole at foundationschurch.tv.